is the SBI Show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivis Kolarsep, and the World Cup rolls on with the quarterfinals kicking off on Thursday. Some big matchups in the next two days. You have Brazil, Croatia kicking things off. Actually, if you're listening to this, the, that game might be going on right now. Then you have the big Netherlands-Argentina quarterfinal. Messi's quest continues. And I, I got—I feel like 80% of the world wants Messi to win this World Cup. The other 20% is, uh, you know, team still in it. Brazil, Real Madrid, Portugal fans. Ronaldo fans. Cristiano Ronaldo fans. Then you have a double header on Friday. You have England, France, the big headliner. The, the match of the quarterfinals. And then you have Portugal, Morocco. Morocco, the Cinderella's, the sweethearts of the tournament. With their own big fan base here. Against Portugal and the Cristiano Ronaldo soap opera. We'll get into that later in the episode, but obviously we have to kick things off talking American soccer, talking the U.S. men's national team. Yes, they've been out for a week now. Actually, has it even been a week? It feels like it's been forever, but it's only been five days. Five days ago. But there's still news to discuss. Greg Berhalter reportedly uh, in, in contract talks with U.S. soccer. That's the report. ESPN is reporting that. And... um so it's just based on that, you think, okay, U.S. soccer is ready to bring him back, ready to offer him a new contract. And uh, U.S. soccer responded. Ernie Stewart, the, the sporting director for U.S. soccer, came out and, and issued a statement. Statement read, as we always do after a major tournament, we are taking time to reflect. We will conduct a full review with everyone involved as we determine our next steps. We look forward to building off the performance in Qatar and preparing for the journey towards 2026 obviously it's a very vague statement it doesn't really deny but uh it doesn't also it doesn't read like yes we're in talks yeah something's close i mean if anything it made it seem like they're there's they're not ready yet to have that that next steps that next step in terms of making that decision on if they're going to hire if they're going to offer greg berhalter the job and I, i went on record last episode as saying i believe they will make him an offer when you look at the body of work what he did what he was hired to do he did what he was hired to do rebuilt the program won trophies qualified for the world cup knock got past the knockout rounds of the world cup and i know some fans that <laughs> don't like Berhalter. to them that was the quote-unquote bare minimum and it's amazing to me how there, how there's no gap between the bare minimum and winning one more game and being amazing, right? Because if they beat the Netherlands, it's like, you know, he's the king. But because of one match, it goes from the bare minimum to, you know, he's he's the man. But I, I'm pretty sure U.S. soccer will look at his body of work and come to that conclusion that they should offer him a new contract. And you can you can definitely make the case that it's not always wise to give a coach a second cycle the, the history of that around the world. Now, this isn't just the United States, because obviously in the United States, uh, we've seen that not work out. But around the world, traditionally, and it doesn't mean every time, but traditionally, more often than not, coaches who get second cycles don't do so hot the second time. It's not easy. So many things at play. So many, so many factors. 
And as I said last episode, it's a whole different job for the U.S. coach in this next cycle than it was for Berhalter when Berhalter was hired. In terms of rebuilding the program, integrating the new the new generation, uh, implementing a style in getting through qualifying, so many different challenges. Dealing with the ghost of 2017, dealing with the ghost of Kuva and failing to qualify. I mean, that in itself was its own challenge. The next cycle does not have these challenges. You're not building from scratch. You're not going through a World Cup qualifying cycle. Although apparently, I guess FIFA hasn't formally announced that, but let's be Let's be honest. I mean, do we see the U.S. having to qualify for a World Cup they're hosting? No. So you don't have qualifying. You're not rebuilding. So it's a, it's a different challenge. And it's not, to be honest, it's not as appealing. It's not as appealing a job as you would think. For a, a relatively young coach. In Greg Berhalter. Now, does that mean he turns it down? Does that mean he walks away? From an offer, I don't know if I go that far either because it's not going to be easy to say no to the chance to coach your country in the World Cup on American soil. Super appealing. That's super appealing. Yes. But having said that, you're talking three years of not much going on. And as much as I know, yes, there are reports about the U.S. and Canada potentially going to the Copa America, playing in the Copa America in 2024. And that has to happen. I'm sorry. The U.S. has to play in that tournament. No two ways about it. If anything, they should host the tournament. I mean, I don't know. Off the top of my head, I don't know who's hosting Copa America in 2024. But if there's a way to get the U.S. to host it again, do it. I don't know if South Americans would agree with that. I you know. But obviously, the Copa Centenario in 2016 was a great event. It was a big success. A lot of money made. And that's what it, you know, the money talks. Money talks. So, but point is... You at least need that to to really kind of give some give some substance to this next three years because there is no qualifying and no gold cups and nations league not quite gonna cut it. You need a you need that Copa America. You need to be playing that better level of competition. But if you're Greg Berhalter, do you want to sit around for three and a half years? Not and to wait for your chance to be coaching on that biggest stage again, or do you want to take the next three years, three and a half years, four years, to dive back into club coaching? And I, and I wrote an article, I wrote a piece for SBI if for for you subscribers out there, um, basically laying that out that you know what this this for him for where he is in his career, I think he's I think he's better off passing on a second cycle with the U.S. and better off diving back into the club ranks and developing more as a coach. Because I'm sorry, the the time you, you put in, the work you put in, the experiences you have as a club coach are exponentially better for developing you as a coach than being an international coach, being a national team coach. And you do gain experiences as a national team coach, obviously. I mean, coaching in a World Cup, is it's it's the biggest stage. So it, it, there is experience gained from that. I'm not saying there isn't. But just the day-to-day work that you put in as a, as a club coach just makes you, 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 you develop at a faster rate as a coach. And if Greg Berhalter has the opportunity to go to Europe and coach in Europe, 
succeed in Europe, develop, strengthen his his tactical uh, acumen, strengthen his his you know roster construction, strengthen his you know substitution uh, savvy, all these things. You're going to do it at a faster rate as a club coach. Now, obviously, obviously he has to you know be offered a job first, and uh, you know. That 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 remains to be seen, but I will say, and I feel like I said it last episode, as much as some U.S. fans think he didn't do a good job, there are a lot of observers around the world who think he did an excellent job. And for that reason, I think opportunities will come. And if there are opportunities in Europe, he should pursue that as opposed to sticking around Another three years with not much going on as the U.S. coach waiting for 2026, waiting for the next World Cup. Because that's basically what you're doing is waiting. And not to say there's nothing to do, but, you know, it's I've talked to a lot of coaches who've, who've been in both worlds. And, it, and without fail, it's really, you know, I hear it all the time. You know, it's 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 a tough it's a tough gig because of all the downtime, because of the lack of time you get to really work with players. So if I'm Greg Berhalter, I'm and a good opportunity comes along to go to try to succeed in Europe, I'm taking that. And not to forget that uh, Berhalter's career began in Europe. His his coaching career. He uh, he was the head coach at Hammerby, lasted two seasons, fired after his second season. Wasn't the most resounding success, but also it was his first go round as a coach. He was a young coach, inexperienced coach, and he has and he. You know, he gets thrown into the fire in Europe. Now, he obviously had the experience of coaching the Columbus crew, and that helped him develop as a coach. He's a different coach now, more experienced. Now he's coached in the World Cup. He's coached in real high-pressure high pressure matches against top-notch competition, England, Netherlands. He's coached in a must-win game, Iran. So I think he's better equipped now to go succeed in Europe. And when it comes down to it, American soccer needs more American coaches in Europe succeeding, developing, increasing the reputation and the respect levels of American coaches, just as players have done that now over the years. More and more Americans going to Europe and succeeding and playing well at the highest levels, best leagues, biggest teams, Champions League. Just how that used, just how that used to be the goal for the American player pool, you want to see that for the American coaching pool. And now you have a few Americans actually doing it. You have Jesse Marsh at Leeds holding his own in the Premier League. In the pressure cooker of the Premier League, you have Pellegrino Matarazzo, Jersey boy, North Jersey boy, in the Bundesliga. Helped Stuttgart gain promotion to the Bundesliga, kept them up last season. He's, st- he, you know, he's doing his thing. We need more of those. You need more of those coaches and as I said last episode, when, you know, Berhalter got some criticism for saying that, you know, the national team doesn't have Memphis to a Memphis to pie. And I noted it can be said that the U.S. men's national team also doesn't have a Louis van Hall. Well, the, the way you get to have your Louis van Hauls is to have more and more coaches in your coaching at high levels. And learning, developing, strengthening their their skills as coaches. So I want to see Berhalter go to Europe. I want to see Jim Curtin go to Europe. As much as I think, you know what? I think I think Jim Curtin would be a, a very good uh, U.S. men's national team coach. 
as much as I know some fans will cringe at that because, you know, there's some people who want who don't want anyone affiliated or associated with MLS anywhere near the national team. As irrational as that is, that's just the reality. There's a, fan ba- there's a segment of the fan base that just sees things that way. And Jim Curtin's not a big name. But we'll see what Berhalter does. It's not going to be an easy decision for him if he has to choose, if he has the options, right? U.S. Soccer offers him the contract. And then Club X in a top five league offers him a job. Top six league, maybe the maybe you know in the Eredivisie. He lived in, he played in the in the Netherlands for for what six years. What if the Dutch offer it? There's what if someone in the in the Eredivisie offers him a job? That's going to be tough to turn down. That challenge of Europe, I know. I, I have to imagine that Berhalter would be tempted strongly by that opportunity. Now, first you need an offer. And as of right now, I have not heard of there being any tangible coaching offers yet. But he's going to have to make that decision. And you know what? Sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes you do bet on yourself and and say no thank you to a a job and then because you're waiting for a certain kind of job. And then it doesn't work out for you. Juan Carlos Osorio, perfect example of that. Mexico, the Mexican national team program, Mexican Federation wanted Osorio for another cycle. After the 2018 World Cup. They wanted him. They offered him a contract. Osorio had other plans. He didn't want a second cycle. Probably for the same reasons that I pointed out. As far as. And he's someone who I I have spoken to Osorio. About the challenges of being a club coach. Versus a national team coach. And he very much prefers to be a club coach. And I'm sure he looked at that same situation. When he was the Mexico coach. Of do I really want to be. Go through a whole second cycle of being an international coach when I could be coaching on the club level, putting a few years in, getting back to the day-to-day of, of club coaching. And who knows, in a couple of years, maybe there'll be national team opportunities open. So that, I mean, that, but at the same time, Osorio ended up not getting the type of, you know, his coaching career is kind of stagnated a bit. He didn't have the resounding success after Mexico. Although he just he's currently doing television uh with with ESPN Deportes and is crushing it, which I'm not surprised. The guy is super intelligent, super well spoken, he explains the game beautifully. So like he's perfect for TV. But point is, it it is a risk if you don't have the next job, right? If you don't have that offer. Do you say no to US soccer if you're Burhalter, do you say no? Without having an offer somewhere else, that's that's a risky one right there. That's a risky one, but it's something he's going to have to think about. And if you're if you're U.S. soccer, I know. Look, there's obviously some people who I feel like there's a lot more. I feel like more people feel like Berhalter should not get a second cycle, although for for different reasons, right? Some people think he shouldn't get a second cycle because he didn't do well the first cycle, and there's some people who think he did well, but understand second cycles don't always go well for coaches bruce arena perfect example bruce arena led the team to the quarterfinals in 2002 2006 cycle he gets them through qualifying first place finish in Concacaf. they crushed it and then what happens in the world cup in 06 they lay an egg so it, it can be tricky but who do you hire that's the challenge because i would argue for as much as some people want to throw out big names, European names, Jose Mourinho's, Mauricio Pochettino's, Marcelo Bielsa's, 
I don't know how many of those you can get to take over immediately right now. I think it's much easier to go get a big, big name two years out. Two years out from the World Cup, not four years out. So this a scenario that makes sense could be to rehire Berhalter, have the Copa America in 2024, see how the team does there, see how he leads the team there, see how he handles coaching in that tournament against that higher that level of competition. Because if you're going up against the Brazils and Argentinas of the world, that's not the Gold Cup. That's not Nations League. That's not the CONCACAF competition. And if he does well, there you go. Then, then he shows improvement. He shows that to you know evolution as a coach. Then you feel better about him heading into twenty twenty six. And if you're him, you, you're also feeling better about it. But if they struggle, they don't do well. He doesn't do well. You can make a change there. And in twenty twenty four, just two years out from the World Cup, it's a situation where I think you have more options. You have more people you can turn to, more coaching candidates that you can turn to. Somewhat similar to what happened with Bob Bradley. Although I think Bob Bradley got a raw deal when he was when he was let go. He was given the second cycle, in theory, even though it was a short leash. And clearly, U.S. soccer, Sunil Galati, he had his guy. He wanted Jurgen Klinsmann. He always wanted Jurgen Klinsmann. I know this for a fact. He had, he, I, uh, you know, so Sunil Galati asked me about Jurgen Klinsmann uh, during the 2010 World Cup when Bob, when Bob Bradley was still the coach. So Jurgen Klinsmann was already in the frame. I don't think U.S. soccer has someone in the frame in that way. Which is another reason why as much as, much as some people dread the idea of a second cycle for Burhalter, if you don't have your guy, if you don't have your replacement, do you just let him go and just and just go back in limbo? And now you can, and I know you can point out, hey, this, the program's been in limbo before. We know the Dave Sarkin era, which was basically limbo before Berhalter was was appointed. Are we ready to do that again? Are we ready to make 2023, uh, you know, kind of a lost year with an interim coach? Is that what you're going to do if you don't bring Berhalter back? So I think that's all the more reason why I, I see Berhalter being offered the job, being offered a second cycle. But remember, folks, it can always change during the contract. It can always change during that cycle. Not an easy one. Not an easy one. So we'll see what Berhalter does. We'll see what U.S. soccer does. My money's on an, uh, them offering a contract. And then it's up to Berhalter. And I think he takes it unless the right offer comes along. Even in the next month. And I don't know what's there. I don't know if Berhalter's ready to say no thank you and then wait potentially six months for a job that's that's where you're really that's a gamble that's a gamble we'll see what he does we'll see what happens but uh it's going to be an interesting few months here i mean the u.s is supposed to play some friendlies uh colombia and serbia in late january january camp fast approaching who's running that is it going to be berhalter he needs a contract first so we'll, we'll see what happens there but uh it's going to be interesting it's going to be interesting who comes back? What veterans are, are retire? The, the whole retiring from the national team thing, I feel like no one does that anymore. I don't think anyone bothers. They just fade off. They fade off into the sunset. Because why retire? Why be that formal about it, right? 
I just, you know, it's interesting. Like Tim Ream, perfect example. Tim Ream, the way he spoke after the Netherlands lost, it made it. You made it. It made you think. You know what? He he's done. He's retiring. This is his informal announcement that he's retiring. Although apparently now, according to Doug McIntyre, he's not retiring. He's he is still ready to you know return to the national team if called upon. Nations League is in March. Nations League finals, if the U.S. makes it, which you would like to think they will, is in the summer. So Tim Ream is ready to to step up and be a part of that still, which I'm a little surprised by, right? Because, you know, he he acknowledged, look, the ne- he's not going to be there for the next World Cup. He'll be like 38, 39 years old. Not going to happen. So then, you know, why? I know some people say, then why even bring him back, right? If he's not going to be necessarily part of that. And I would remind people that you can't just have a team of young players. You do need some veteran element in the locker room and when i say veteran i don't just mean oh you know you played in champions league oh you've played 100 games in the premier league because look experience yes there the, this the quote-unquote golden generation has a pretty good amount of experience now all these guys have multiple seasons playing at a very high level so they have yes they have that experience but you need veterans like vet like you know the the long tooth veterans you need the guys in their 30s who've been around multiple cycles and that's just standard for most national most high-end national teams they have those guys and unfortunately for the u.s men's national team they don't have a ton of those guys they don't have many at all actually they don't have 100 cappers sitting around they don't that are active so i could see tim ream still having value on top of the fact that he's still playing at a very high level, right? I mean, he's you know, you're playing in the Premier League, best league in the world. It's not subjective. It is it's the best league in the world. And he plays well in that league. So I could see if he still wants to do it. I mean, he has children. He has young children. I'm a little surprised from that standpoint. It's like at a certain point, you know, the travel and all that, it's like you've done it. You've been there. You, you played in your World Cup. Why not just focus on a club career and spending more time with your family? But listen, everyone everyone does their own thing. And if he wants that role, if he wants to be part of that veteran, that, you know, older veteran nucleus going forward, then you know what? More power to him. U.S. programs better off to, with having him in it. But clearly they're going to be players who are not going to be part of, of, of the program going forward. You know, some some of the MLS players, will they start getting phased out? Will they be phased out immediately? Maybe not immediately. Christian Roldan, Jordan Morris, Aaron Long. I could see them all still being parts of the thing in the next six months. But again, it depends on who the coach is. If you get an international coach, you get a you know European coach, they might clean house. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that that January camp, just to see how it's made up. Obviously, also to see who the coach is and how they handle it. Because you do need to start looking at some new blood, for sure. So we'll see what happens. So moving on, you have the World Cup quarterfinals. Brazil, Croatia. Brazil's a big favorite. Croatia, they're, they're such a tough team, right? They're such a tough team, veteran team. Luka Modric is so good, but... Brazil just has too much firepower. The game is probably going on as we speak, as you're listening to this, or it's already happened. So doesn't help to give you a prediction, but I, I'm on record as saying Brazil. 
And if if Croatia pulls the upset, more power to them because I mean they're they're a tough bunch. They're tough. It wouldn't would they would it shock me if they pull the upset? Wouldn't shock me. But I'm but my money's on Brazil just because they're they're rolling. They're rolling right now. Netherlands Netherlands Argentina is the one that has me nervous because you know full disc- I mean I I've said I feel like I've said it already. I would like to see Messi win a World Cup. And this Argentina team is easy to root for. They have the most fans here in Qatar. And Messi, just for his career, you'd like to see him win it. But the Netherlands are a dangerous team. They're a tricky team. They have all kinds of talent. They have a coach who's set them up so well. Louis van Gaal, the man is so hilarious, by the way. He's he's just amazingly hilarious. But I'm going to go Argentina in that one just because they feel like a team of destiny. I know that might sound corny, but they do. They feel like a team of destiny. And if they go out, I don't see them going out now. If I see them going out, I see them going out in the semis against Brazil. That'd be epic. Well, that game would be epic if it happens. We got to get there first. Both those teams need to win. I just don't see the Argentina uh, fairy tale ending at the hands of the Dutch. Just don't see it. And I'll be honest, I hope it. I hope I don't see it. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, that matches uh, later on Friday. Portugal Morocco. That's going to be a spicy one. I got, wish I could be there because it's you know the, obviously both games are the same day. But England France is the is the marquee matchup. How do you miss that? France is looking really good. They're one of the favorites, but England England's tough. England is very talented. They're very they're very balanced, and uh, I feel like they're finding their rhythm. So it's going to be a game. It's going to be a good game. But my money's on France. And as far as Morocco, Portugal goes, Morocco, I mean, I think they showed people in the Spain game that they're legit, right? Because it wasn't as simple as them just sitting back and bunkering. No, they they countered. They set up well. They played great. Morocco played great. They deserve to win that game. I don't want to hear anything about Spain dominating and, you know, possession, blah, blah, blah. Look, Morocco played great. Portugal is a different animal. Portugal has some killers on their team. They have, they, have they have some serious firepower. And obviously the Ronaldo soap opera has become a distraction, obviously. But they're, they're coming together well. And the fact that Ronaldo gets benched and his replacement score is a hat trick and things are going great. I mean, it just feels like they're, they're just everything's clicking for them. And if Ronaldo can play nice and, and stay on board and... And not be pouty and, and just buy in and just, you know what, if he has to be a super sub, be a super sub. If he can keep if he can keep his ego in check, then that Portugal team is kind of a, you, you could see them putting it together. I'm not saying they're going to win. I don't see that. But I do see them beating Morocco. It's not going to be easy because Morocco is going to have the fan support. They have, they, I think only Argentina has a more just like a stronger fan presence here. Morocco's probably second of the teams that are left. I know some people might say, wait a minute, Brazil? Brazil's not second? Nah, I think Morocco's got Brazil in terms of the fan support. And obviously, look you know, look where we are in terms of just proximity. And I'm sure you have people from the region who have adopted Morocco as their team. But I think that's going to be a good one. I, I wish I could be at both, honestly. I wish I could be at that one. Because I enjoy. I was at Morocco-Spain and that, and that that lived up to the hype for me because I thought it'd be a great game and it ended up being an absolutely great game. As much as Luis Enrique getting, uh, you know, not getting his contract renewed was a little, little surprising, but 
uh, you know, he he was a victim of his own success in the sense that, you know, Spain beats Costa Rica 7-0 in the opening match, and all of a sudden you started hearing the talk about Spain could win the World Cup. And that's the thing. Fans always think the team is better than it is. And that's every team, every team. There's very few, I don't want to say every, almost every team has a, like, Every team's fans, because just you know what, you're a fan. You believe in your team. You believe your team can do better. That's just natural. But that's that 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 belief can can also become a little toxic. It can also become a little unrealistic. And that the U.S. is that's not confined to the U.S. because it is an issue with the U.S. as well. But we see it with Spain as well. Luis Enrique did a good job with that program. Now, obviously. You'd like to think they should go further than the round 16, no question. But should he have necessarily been fired, like not renewed? I don't know about that. But credit to Luis Enrique because he could have signed a new contract before the World Cup, after the Euros, because he had they, they played great in the Euros. He was offered a new contract, and he said, you know what? There's no point in having a new contract. If the World Cup goes badly, Everyone's going to want me out anyway, so why have a new contract? And credit to Enrique for that, man, because he, you know what? How many coaches do that? Not many. And he'll be fine. He's going to have a great job soon because he's an excellent manager. And I don't want to hear any crap about the Twitch streaming. It is a little unique, the fact that a, a, a an active manager is, is Twitch streaming. But this is the new world. This is the new world we're in. And he's got great personality. Show it off. And Twitch streaming has become the new thing, right? Not the new thing, but it's like the 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 uh, the level of Twitch streaming or the infl- impact of Twitch streaming in this World Cup has been has been in, has been something I gotta say. Because for anyone who who saw who didn't see it, the Sergio Aguero, the the Sergio Aguero Twitch stream with Lionel Messi uh, and uh, Papu Gomez and some of the other Argentinian players was unbelievable. And it definitely makes me thankful for knowing Spanish because it was just hilarious. And getting to see Messi in that in that, you know, natural element, not not the staged element where you can kind of really tell how he is as a person. I mean, that stuff is gold. And and I mean Aguero's hilarious. He's just a natural, obviously. That's why he's become so successful with the Twitch streaming. But to get Messi to come on and then to just to get that peek behind the curtain of these guys in the world cup. And I don't want to hear anyone complain about, Oh, shouldn't they be focusing on the, on the game and like, get over it. People, these guys, what do they have to do? They train, they have 23, 22 hours, other hours to, 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 to kill time. I mean, you know, these guys aren't running, uh, you know, they're not swimming in the ocean and like wearing themselves out physically. It doesn't, what does it do for you to be on a, on a, on a stream, to be on a video call? Nothing. But it gives people an insight. It gives fans an insight, and and lets you know them a little bit. And you know what? That it's cool to see. Does it mean we need everybody doing it? No. First of all, not everyone can do it. Not everyone has that that personality, that willingness to to, to kind of show that side of themselves. I don't think we'll ever see a Cristiano Ronaldo live stream. Uh. But yeah, no that that's been that's been a cool little side element of this whole thing, of this World Cup is seeing that the, the 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 live stream, the peak behind the curtains. And it's a little, it is interesting that the two most prominent ones are 
uh, Luis Enrique and Kun Aguero both in Spanish, both Spanish speakers. So to enjoy it, you had to be able to speak Spanish. So, uh, you know, who's the who's going to be the English speaker? Or or maybe is there a reason why it's usually some, you know, the, from the Latin world that, that to have that willingness, that openness? It's interesting. It's an interesting one. Who will be the English, the, the first English language prominent soccer streamer? You know? That's that's uh, that's an interesting one. Actually, you just I, I think Jorge Sampaoli, of all people, uh, is apparently doing Twitch streaming now to, as well, or is about to. Never would have guessed that one, but I would love to see a Bruce Arena Twitch stream. How about that? Because he's he's hilarious. He, he'd need a he'd need a seven second delay. I'd imagine. I would love to see that. We need more of that. We need to, we need we need to start seeing American players, American coaches Twitch streaming. That's that's what we need. Come on, Jim Curtin, get on that. I don't think Greg Berhalter's doing it. Jim Curtin could do it. Who else? I'm trying to think, what other coaches would be good? Brian Schmetzer, maybe Brian Schmetzer. Get him on a stream. But I think that's it. That's wrap. That wraps it up for this episode. I know I've gone on the whole Twitch streams uh, little little tangent as well. MLS free agency is going on as well. I wanted to touch on that a little bit. Aaron Long and Sean Johnson, both free agents. It would be surprising if Sean Johnson left NYCFC, but you know what? You're a free agent. You play the field. You see what is out there. Um, I would be curious to see, to see where he winds up. And same with Aaron Long. I mean, Aaron Long is, you know, he, even though he kind of became the whipping boy for U.S. national team fans uh, before the World Cup, he's still a solid defender. And I think I'd like to see where he goes next because he's not he's not going to go back to the Red Bulls. I don't see that happening. But. Whether he ends up in Seattle, goes back to Seattle or or Portland or, or you know, goes back to California. I mean, he is a California boy. LA Galaxy. LA Galaxy would be a nice one. They could use a center back. It is going to be an interesting free agency period in MLS because there's some very good players on that list. And it, it's great to see that freedom of player movement that, that has been needed for so long. And to be able to see players have that free, that ability to go where they want to go, and it also rewards the teams that do things the right way. Because you you know what, if you're if you have your act together as a club, and you're more appealing to to those top players, then then you're going to get those players. And conversely, if you, if you're if you have your reputation for not being the most well put together organization, you're not going to get players to come to you. So so we'll see. It's going to be an interesting. Uh, interesting free agent cycle i'll get into that a little bit more next episode i just touched on it ever so faintly here i think i'll dig in, dig into it a bit more next episode for sure and uh but i think that wraps it up for this episode uh i have to get to the argentina netherlands match i'm heading there uh later today but uh definitely thank you for listening as well i i know i said it last episode that i would do it this episode but today i will put a post up on sbi for a q a and I will answer some of those questions in the next episode. So look out for that on SBI. There will be a Q&A post. And if you if you drop a question in, in the Q&A post and you put SBI show listener, I will make a point to get that question answered on the next episode of SBI show. So for that the little reward there for those of you who are listening to the show. Um, I know it's been a little inconsistent in terms of obviously the daily thing would be great. It'd be great if I could just do it daily and have been able to do that. I'm hoping to be able to do that a little more regularly as we close out this last two weeks, week and a half of the, of the World Cup. But look out for that. Look out for that Q&A 
And I'm also curious what people think in terms of the intro songs, because as we know, you know, I use a couple of different intro songs, um, and I'm curious which one people like the most. Um, I need to do that. Maybe next episode we'll get into that. Or I need to just find new music. It's time for some new music for the new year, for the 2023, where we'll have new intro songs for the SBI show. But that's it from here in Qatar and Doha. I've got uh, a week and a half left and some big games coming up. And I will dig into those more in the coming episodes. But thank you for listening. As always, I'm Ivis Kalarsa. This is the SBI Show. <laughs>